Are you living the crazy life of a sports parent? This is Sports Parenthood, the podcast packed with cool conversations with sports people, coaches and professionals for rookie sports parents just like you. You'll hear nuggets of gold in every episode with your hosts, fellow sports parents, John and Tiffany Bonacera. In this week's episode of Sports Parenthood, we're going a bit rogue, John. Yeah, yeah we are. It's <laughs> true. We're four episodes into the current season where you've heard from guests on the show. So we've uh, heard from sports dietitian Melissa Jurgens, Martin Pickup on what it's like growing up with a parent who's a well-known sports person, para-triathlete Lauren mm-hmm. Parker, who joined us from the USA, and then last week, Eloise Wellings on having faith, celebrating effort, and never giving up. Yeah, look, they really have been great episodes so far, mm-hmm. and what we thought we would discuss is something that's pretty close to us and maybe we'll open with a bit about community sport returning. Mm -hmm. Um, For those listeners who are unaware, we're in Sydney or New South Wales in Australia and we've just had a more broad uh, opening of restrictions, Mm -hmm. uh, a return to community sport to some degree. Mm -hmm. So for our daughters, that means getting back in the pool for one Mm -hmm. and the other getting back onto the soccer pitch. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's been really interesting to see that that development, um, how well these clubs and local clubs have embraced uh, the COVID restrictions, what it means for us as parents. Providing safe environments. And providing a safe environment for everybody to get back into sport as soon as is humanly possible. Mm -hmm. But it's been, on a personal level, well, it's been a bit gruelling. It's been another two or three weeks of uh, some 4.30 mornings, which have really punched me in the face. (laughs) You can't handle it. It's <laughs> You've been walking around Pretty with your drooping shoulders telling yeah. me how tired you the are. Old, the old one thirty in the afternoon. Slump. Oh my goodness. I've been hit by a train. Then you attack all um, the snakes in the pantry. But or only one or two. No. Only one or two. But look, on a serious note, the, the reopening of community sport has been has been great for us. Mm-hmm. And um and our girls have really jumped in with both feet and are enjoying the opportunity to get back with some friends. Yeah. For me personally, I have to say I'm I'm suffering, and I don't say this lightly, uh, reopening anxiety. Yeah, I, I, I feel a bit of a weight of dread on my shoulders and I can't quite understand why, um, but John knows that I am struggling with it and, yeah, I guess it's just to point out that, you know, while we have our new freedoms and there's certainly, I guess, a level of excitement in the air, uh, just to note that some of us are finding it really hard. Um, and I'm one of them. I know you are, darling, but you have found um, uh, that together we can attack this and you have also had a lot of benefit from getting into nature yourself, haven't you, and getting <laughs> Well, there are a few things and- that I'm doing. Uh, definitely um, training outside uh, really helps uh, my mindset. Getting down to, to the beach and doing some trail runs and, mm-hmm. and bit of, of course- positive self-talk. So I've been really uh, repeating in my mind that I need to have faith over fear. And of course, a really simple level is our cat. Ridiculously Z-Z. arrogant cat <laughs> who is a constant source of laughter and intrigue because he literally lives the life of Riley. <laughs> he is killing it. I don't know what other people's cats are doing in life, but ours has dead set got it worked out. He Walks in, yap, 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 at all times of the night when he's hungry. (laughs) And then he goes and finds a beautiful spot for the day and curls up and goes to sleep. Mm -hmm. 
He's just a good egg. He's a funny little <laughs> I thing. I have to say he's definitely helping put a smile on my face. And um, sorry, I have actually gone a bit rogue with tears, but I'll keep it together. For this You've episode. regrouped and that probably brings us into, <laughs> it is just us for mm-hmm. episode 55. And we'd like to speak about a topic that's come up through our daughter, Andy. She's studying PASS, which in short uh, stands for physical. Well, it's actually physical... not in short, it's an acronym. Well, PASS is the acronym, <laughs> but it stands for physical activities and sports studies. And I didn't know that until just then. I thought it was like physiology, anatomy and sports science or something cool like that. But either way, which is a great subject and certainly something, Tiff, if I, mm-hmm. if I could, that we, we both wish. We wish we could study when yeah. we were at school. It would have been great. We had to go to university to do it. Mm, so and, I did sports journalism or journalism with a sport major and you studied? I studied, well, sports coaching, applied science, among other things. So Andy Bit of targeted- a professional student. <laughs> Yeah, look, she did. Well, was she it did the target. academics that drew you to university? Yeah, I don't John. know if it was. The lifestyle's pretty good, isn't it, uni? <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is. I ended up having six or seven years there. It's pretty cool. Uh, but I got a couple of degrees. I'm not a complete numpty. But um, um, yes, Andy did target me. Uh, she, got an, she had an anatomy exam pretty early on and it was quite funny. She was like, Dad, you've, you've done this. We need to sit down and go through and your knowledge of these things. Well, so she got out the flashcards. Well, she created her own flashcards. She did with the with the <laughs> pictures of the different muscles and their prime movements and stuff like that and took me through it. <laughs> I went okay. I think she was shocked. <laughs> I, I went all right. But it was pretty funny. So we've been sitting on the lounge and, and going through those and, and testing her. And, um, yeah, she's taken it on pretty well. But her most recent uh, item and this term She's had to write an essay, hasn't she? Yes, on winning at all costs, and it got us thinking. So her approach was largely around the sports themselves, coaching methods and environments that encourage what we now would consider to be unethical, such as toughening the athlete coaching practices like we discussed with Jennifer McMahon in Episode 5. So she centred a lot of her essay around, uh, I guess, those types of issues, which I thought were quite well well thought out and, and definitely resonated with her. But it got us thinking together about some of the yeah, just, other… Just how broad uh, a subject it is. Yeah. Other and how many avenues. Paths and thoughts uh, are, are, are around that winning this. at all costs mm. theory. And particularly for us as parents of adolescent athletes, um, what it means, what types of attitudes uh, from coaches from ourselves as parents mm-hmm. and from the athletes themselves uh, lead to that. To this attitude. And, and, mm-hmm. and the attitude. And, and we've all seen it, um, mm-hmm. no matter what sport you are part of, from um, field sports to the pool to team sports or individuals, we've all seen young kids and families and coaches, um, you know, that are, are really, really driven. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a positive in everything. And obviously they're not doing it with harm or or bad intent in mm. mind. They, but, really? But, yeah, I don't believe they are. I would argue are. historically they're, they're, that may not be true. Look, potentially it depends. But I think, um, so, you know, some of, the, some of the athletes that spring to mind straight away, but this is probably more around um, something like performance-enhancing drugs, which is another winning-at-all-costs methodology. So you, you marry in Joneses and your Lance Armstrongs, uh, in Maria Sharapova, to a lesser extent, she took something that she had been taking her whole life and didn't realise that it then got on the banned list. Mm-hmm. You know, your um, Johnsons, Gatlins, your Barry Bonds in baseball, your, your cyclists along with Lance Armstrong like Tyler Hamilton and Floyd Landis. Mm-hmm. And I guess the argument for this kind of approach is that they're obvious champions and people that have gone on to achieve 
incredible things, but they've come through systems or potentially through households or sports where, where this was rife and they weren't the only ones. They were just the ones that got caught. They have, however, mm. potentially set themselves up financially for a life of joy, I guess, or, or where they don't well, have to worry. they're financially set don't have up, to worry. and I think that's the, the hard part and that's where it becomes a bit tricky is that um, us as sports parents can see that there are certain types of athletes that perhaps have been, let's call it, pushed too far. But, you know, the, the, off, the, the other side of that is that they're now set up for life. Um, so you kind of can think to yourself, well, you know, um, is short-term pain, long-term gain? Is that well? Would you would you suggest that it is short-term pain if you're looking at something or someone like Yelena Dokic mm. or a Tiger Woods or an Andre Agassi or a Mary Pierce or a Jennifer Capriati yeah, or it's like, it's what, like is it cost? short-term? No, no, uh, look, it's yeah, what cost? I really yeah. think the cost certainly outweighs the benefit. And we're talking about household names, so we're not talking about the people, the people that, that we don't know about. Who, That's right, who are, and there who are, are suffering for there a are many. And I, you know, I'm not suggesting that I have that attitude. I'm just, um, you know, putting forward, I guess, a viewpoint and a perspective, not necessarily my own. So when we talk about winning at all costs, we just spoke about, you know, some of the higher renowned people that got involved in performance enhancing drugs that ended up with serious bans and obviously and had it's beyond to, drugs. It's pushing. It's well, training talking, loads. It's, it's, it's training pa- parental loads, it's parental pushing. It's, it's coaching. Coaching. It's, it's the sports themselves. So, uh, yeah. for for example, a sport like cycling mm. has, let's be honest, systemically hidden drug abuse. They mm. they knew mm. categorically. It was it was happening, and in for a race, for example, like the Tour de France, people were riding at mm. ten and twenty kilometers an hour faster as a group of hundreds mm. of athletes mm. for hundreds of. But kilometers. then you have the argument that, he, that everyone's doing it, so that's right. Even playing and, that, field. And, and that's and, a whole another conversation. But that was the, yeah, but that was the reason mm. that you, you Tyler Hamilton's and your Floyd Landis etc. got caught up in the Lance Armstrong mm. debate, mm. and Lance Armstrong was just doing it better than other people. Mm. That's, that's the way he did it. That was his approach. Mm. Um, I mean, we can go all the way back to the East Germans in the late 70s and early 80s, which is now a current topic. Yes. Who, they had a systemic doping program across multiple sports, but swimming comes to mind, mm-hmm. um, which led to multiple medals and in particular at the 1980 yeah, Moscow the Olympics. Olympics. So FINA has come out and is looking to review the order of place getters and the hope that the IOC will follow suit. So I guess some of the Australian athletes, well, in particular Michelle Ford has has been vocal about this, and 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 perhaps Lisa Curry um, will look to be yeah I guess, put on the podium, put, put on the yeah, podium and, and restore to their rightful positions exactly. behind the East Germans. So I guess having a look at that whole scenario, uh, Michelle Ford, just in a quote from her, uh, it's time to right the wrongs and give those who have been denied their rightful place the recognition they deserve and their place in history. Yeah, and look, that was systemic. Mm, mm. That was across an entire nation for multiple years, but it government driven. It doesn't necessarily have to be systemic. So just as an example, I spoke to a friend of mine who was a, a high-level swimmer and this was sort of in the late 80s and early 90s. Now, one of the, I guess, um, issues, uh, methods that has been questioned, I guess, more in recent years uh, is something like taking skin folds as an example. Now, her point to me, and look, I've been in a position where I've had skin folds taken when I was a young athlete um, and, and I've made it 
had a conversation around this in previous episodes that I did suffer from an eating disorder, um, not necessarily directly related to that, but certainly it's not an ideal environment to be in. Um, now, she made the point that, um, you know, it, this, the sport was swimming and the difficulty that she found at the time was that the skin folds were being taken, as an example, but there was no parameters as tr- around or no discussion around why. So as an athlete, she felt like there was constant scrutiny scrutiny, and there weren't necessarily any performance benefits there no, identified well, there were no by goals what the identified. Was. So what were they trying to achieve by that? And I feel like, you know, there's some question marks, I guess, over that. And it's certainly question marks over those types of practices today. But I guess you noted when I was sort of raising this with you that your players have skin folds taken. But Absolutely. So obviously, I guess the one primary difference straight away between swimming and a sport um, like rugby league, which is obviously played on land, is that you have to carry your body weight mm. and certain positions uh, around speed, the way you can carry yourself, minimizing the likelihood of injury. And what are the ideal parameters around individuals? Mm. And they are individually identified. They're not positional. Mm. They're not everyone gets a blanket approach. They are for you, John, in your position and the way that of your physical makeup. Mm. This is the bracket that we think you would operate ideally in. Mm. And it's also the bracket of body weight that we have spoken to you about historically mm. that you have said you have felt best on the field. Mm. And it's not a straight weight. It's a between this and between this. Mm. And this is ideally where we'd like you to be and where we think you can maximize your opportunities in rugby league. You can be playing regularly and you can minimize the likelihood of injury. Being, you know, I guess, in a professional sporting environment, do you feel uh, that athletes – because I guess there's a lot of discussion um, of moving away from some of the techniques that we used previously or methods, whatever way you want to describe it, to a more athlete-centric approach. Do you feel athletes uh, have much more say uh, within an environment is to… Definitely. Yeah. The, the answer, the, absolutely. Mm. They've, got, they've got a say in uh, the way we program. Mm. They're far more conditioned to ask questions as to why we're doing a particular drill they're far more empowered to uh, speak to a senior member of their squad to come and speak to the coaches about how they're feeling. Mm. So be that physically, be it emotionally, we're just not up for today. Mm. We collectively as a group, we're really struggling from EG, the loss at the weekend or the game was extremely physical and our first session of that week, we'll back Mm. it right off to cater to the fact that our markers and um, the information that we're gleaning from the the players themselves, mm. indicates that they're not ready to train and they're not ready to train to the level that we'd planned. I'm hoping that that's, I guess, a message moving forward. And I, I, we have spoken, for example, to Carmen Martin on the show before, and I know that she's a bit, big advocate for it. So I guess there's a, uh, there's, uh, the philosophy is a good one. I guess the way that it's implemented is another one. And I guess there's a lot, fair bit of work across all of the sports that still needs to happen in, in that, oh, in that look, way. Look, I think it's an ongoing piece of work. It's continual mm. learning. Mm. Um, it's about that connection that you, that a sport and a club, uh, are able to gain with their athletes about the culture that's, uh, that's within the group. How, how is that approached? How do you build that? How do you offer everybody a say mm. where it is a level playing field and, mm. um, you know, there's no rank. Mm. It is, you're, you're entitled to talk as much as I am. I think importantly around this topic of winning at all costs, uh, perhaps unlike previous generations, we now have language that we use 
uh, athletes can use and all of us can use around some of the the issues that do crop up around this. And and I guess uh, mental health issues, for example, is one of those. Yeah, and we've got athletes, you know, yeah. relatively recently, such as tennis player uh, Naomi Osaka, Osaka, and we've got also um, Simone uh, Simone, gymnast Simone Biles, uh, you know, have come out, you know, in different environments uh, talking about some of the mental health issues that they're having and then each of them came out with different ones, of course. But what that does is encourages other athletes to speak up and also speak out um, when they feel that something isn't quite right. And I guess um, it's received in perhaps a different way than it, it has been in the past. Yeah, look, I think it is, it's received the way it should be intended. Mm. And the way that it's coming out is not necessarily, um, you know, a personal call for help. Mm. It is more about a holistic approach to, mm. to what's happening and how potentially they can be a voice of reason or show their vulnerability to the broader spectrum. And, and it, it does. It encourages other athletes to be able to have their share and to have their say. Interestingly, this week, Sport Integrity Australia have launched their Child Safeguarding in Sport Induction e-learning mm-hmm. course. And, I mean, obviously, and, but it isn't necessarily obvious, all children have the right to play sport in a safe, positive an enjoyable environment and it's been built and designed, the course has, for national sporting organisations, state sporting organisations, clubs, affiliated bodies, participants, et cetera, et cetera, coaches, parents, support personnel and any individual or organisation, you know, they, they really should undertake this course. Mm. Um, we'll, we'll put it only link, takes around 45 minutes. And we'll put a link to it in the show notes and I guess um, off the back of that, you know, if you are a regular listener to Sports Parenthood, uh, you'll be, you know, familiar with some of the themes that keep coming through and the threads that come through from our guests um, week after week. And some of those, I guess, the biggest one that John and I talk about all the time is the fun is 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 100. probably the one that you know gets lost. Well, it comes up all the time. You yeah, know, it's the one. But it gets thing. lost in children's sport. It does get lost in children's sport, but it is the one thing that everyone has nominated more or less. Is the is the thing that keeps them going and the thing that you or know, kept them going yeah. to become professional athletes themselves mm. or to become Olympians or to become coaches or administrators mm. in senior sport. But would you? Yeah, yeah, true. I was going to say, I guess people who with the winning at all costs attitude would argue that it is fun to win to a degree. Mm-hmm. However, but I think winning winning is youth really sport is really small different. part, isn't it? Mm. it? Like really, for example, a game or a season or an event. The process needs to be fun. Mm. The process mm. is all of the training and all of the engagement with your teammates, whether mm. you're in an individual or team sport, it doesn't matter. You still have your teammates mm-hmm. in the pool mm-hmm. or you still have your teammates on the track if, mm. you're, if you're competing in track and field. And the winning is, is an outcome. And, and what really is the focus is the process. And the mm. process is the training and the building mm. and the development. Mm. And, and we know from, you know from famous athletes like and Andre Agassi, who went on to win Grand Slams, etc., he found the winning a massive letdown. Really speaking, historically, you know, going back nearly 50 years now, I remember hearing from Mark Spitz, who won seven gold medals in the 72 Munich Olympics, and he just had in swimming, and he just had a he just had a massive flop post because the uh, let's call it the longevity of winning was not there. Mm-hmm. It, it was an immediate high and then an immediate flat spot. Mm. And it's a really, so essentially for some, winning changes nothing. 
Mm. It's mm. um, and it mm. needs to be about that daily process mm. and the things that you're engaged in at any level that mm. that really float your boat and make mm. it enjoyable for you. Mm. I guess the other theme that consistently comes through is about specialization or not specializing until you're an older athlete. You know, the, the general consensus, and this is from I guess researchers and 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 you know people who have looked and at a this lot of area people we've spoken to. Uh, are around that 16, 17 years age group. Yeah, is where specialisation should essentially take place. Mm. We appreciate that some sports it's Mm. probably a little bit earlier and it doesn't mean that you can't have a focal point on a particular sport but the message that we've got clearly from virtually all of our listeners is that they all had wide and varied sporting backgrounds. Definitely. And, you know, some of them have ended up in a boat Mm. after playing AFL and rugby league and other forms of sport and they've gone on to become an Olympic rower and they didn't get into one until then year 11. Mm, mm. Well, Jaime Fernandez. Yeah, is an example of that. Mm. And so it's just about, for us as parents, Mm. it's about providing those opportunities Mm. for our kids to experience different things Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then allowing them to make the choices and support them with those. I think that's definitely kind of the third theme that consistently comes through is that you have to be guided guided by the children. Um, and, and definitely know our role in this process. So how would you describe our role? Well, actually, it was Hamish McMaster. Who, yeah, it was. Who set He's it a sports psychologist. Yeah. And, and essentially, we are there for logistics, mm-hmm. e.g. Driving tra- Transport, <laughs> timing, making sure they're in the right place at the right time and they've got their gear with them. Yeah. And, um, and then um, if you can afford it, financial support mm-hmm. or for those that are uh, in situations where perhaps that is a barrier, then perhaps it's an opportunity for them to find areas where they can uh, help to finance something through scholarships or other forms of support yeah. where they can get their children in grants, uh, yeah, grants or in, on a particular tour overseas or interstate. Or, and as things reopen, that's going to become more and more prevalent. Mm-hmm. Actually, an example of, let's call it fun, um, is with the reopening of um, community sport. Our youngest daughter, Miller, has been trialling this week for representative soccer and it's um it's something that she's been on the fringe of yeah. you know for a year or two now mm. and um and enjoys it to a degree but I'll be I'll be frank she has found it difficult at times and she was in a a squad where they played together every weekend for their region against other regions however she was a reserve so she trained all week and then she went back and played um park football with her friends mm-hmm. and wasn't part of the games and uh, that's been a massive learning curve for her, particularly through a, a broken year with mm-hmm. firstly injury and then second with COVID. Mm-hmm. Well, it's actually, there's a lot of positives to come out of that for her. Yeah, there have been. I think, and I think, you know, we'd all agree, sports parents, that it could have gone either way for all of our kids during the, the period of um, uncertainty And it probably lockdown. has gone both ways. With her, she's been able to probably get on top of a couple of injuries that she's had and, you know, build on some strength and endurance and also, um, I guess, upskill in terms of just some of the little things that she maybe… Yeah, she wasn't great for at one of, she For one of a different pun, dropped the ball on. <laughs> um, yeah, at, she took them point. on though, didn't she? Yes. And but well, she probably showed us a little bit about… We were, an guided, internal well, we were resilience. guided by her on wanting yeah. to improve that. Yeah. Uh, she showed us a couple of things inherently that we, we perhaps, I'm not going to say we doubted she had, but they weren't prevalent. And mm. she's come and said, oh, look, I really want to do this. You know, 
what can we do Mm. and and how can you help? And um, so we've been fortunate in that respect and she's undertaken those trials across this week and we're yet to find out the result. But regardless, and and I say this and I mean it, regardless of whether she gets selected, Mm. she has come home from all three trials happy, smiling, gave her best. And um, as a result, we've told her, well, the outcome's already there. Regardless of whether you get picked or not, you gave your best. Uh, and you've you've done your bit. And she was looking forward to it. She was actually quite excited by the trial process, which I thought was quite lovely as well. Yeah. So that's been exciting and um, you know, she'll either she'll either make that team or she'll be in a development squad below that. And well, either or it's been a success process for we'll her. Let you know how she goes in the Yeah, next but it episode. definitely has been successful for her. And I know she'll have some form of disappointment, but if she didn't make it, but at the same time, she put her best foot forward and that's all that matters. Mm. So I guess coming back to the, the I guess the yeah. general theme of this episode, which is, is winning at all costs. Yeah, well, and as we said, it how, came up in our household, you know, through our daughter and it, you know, got us thinking about it. And, you know, it, look, it does come up in conversations with parents at times, fellow sports parents. And, you know, while, you know, the Sports Parenthood podcast really advocates for the themes that we were talking about, you know, your fun, your non-specialization and allowing your kids to to guide the way. I guess there is that little bit of kind of thinking around, well, you know, that's all well well and good, good, but. (laughs) At some point, performance Mm -hmm. counts for something Mm -hmm. and wanting to be part of something higher. But I guess what we're saying is, is it the coach? Mm. Is it the parent? Mm. Is it the club that you uh, that your child's aligned to, or is it your child themselves mm. that has that mm. inherent desire to do well? Mm. So it's really a, a conversation. Uh, we hope you it, it's provided mm. a bit of thought, uh, thought provoking for you. We really like to know how you feel about it. If yeah. you um, jump on the Sports Parenthood our website or one of our socials and 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 let us Make know in terms of a comment, you know how you feel about that whole, I guess, topic and yeah. conversation. And, and what is what is sport to your kids? Is it a vehicle for something greater? Is it perhaps to a, a university scholarship or representation at the highest level? Do they want to play sport professionally or is it something that just becomes part of their lives and longevity? And the value of and, part of the values of your family. And where does that sit? And also, um, where do you as parents or where do your children as athletes draw the line on the win at all costs approach and what kind of coaches are you if you're coaching your children what kind of coaches are coaching your children what are your processes on the sideline or poolside or all of those types mm-hmm. of little things and it just gave us an opportunity to self-reflect didn't it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but we'd really like to know what your take is yeah on the and topic. what you would genuinely want for your kids that's gold Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Sports Parenthood. Please leave a review, share with your friends, or visit our website, sportsparenthood.com.au, to connect. Catch you next week.